Hey there, I'm Scott. This is Tangents. Well, generally speaking, I'm in a rush to finish these because I have a meeting or something afterwards. Uh, tonight it's 9.45 and um, 15th of June, 2021. And I'm in a rush to finish it because although I don't sleep very well, I'd kind of like to kind of wind down for the day and actually sleep. I've not had a ton of time to record one of these recently, and uh, it's kind of a, a thing. I Just in general, I feel like the cadence is important. Uh, early, I mean, I do want these to be of some quality, but I also want to be in the habit of making them, and I, I don't want to make excuses for not making them. So, you know, it'd be super easy to say, well, I'm just too busy, I can't do it. Fuck that. Gonna do it. Um, the thing I want to talk about today, tonight, is murder. And in particular, a certain kind of murder. A kind of murder that is, generally speaking, apparently okay. It's a kind of murder that people get away with all the time. It's a kind of murder that people don't seem at all concerned with. It is statistical murder. And statistical murder is when you make a decision, at least as I define it, you make a decision, and that decision is going to, through some stochastic process, predictably cause deaths. Um, you're doing something, and you don't necessarily know who's going to die, but you know that by doing it, you're going to kill people. Um, this could be pushing opioids and making shit tons of money and knowing in the process that a bunch of people are gonna overdose. You don't know who's gonna overdose, but you can say definitively, predictably, with a great deal of confidence, that the decision to push that stuff is going to lead to people's deaths. Now, we all do things statistically more or less likely to hurt other people, you know, just through chance in our lives. Uh, if you're texting while you're driving, you know, not very great increase in your risk, but there is an increased risk. And if enough people do it, then you're certainly committing a small statistical murder in that regard. That is uh, something that I'm not going to address today, and I'm not really talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about like the big stuff, where people, especially people in government, but you know, people running big corporations, make decisions and they do these decisions knowing that they're gonna kill a lot of people and potentially create a great deal of suffering. Um, simple examples, obvious examples, um, anything to do with climate change. You know, if you're the CEO of Exxon or BP or any of these companies, any of the executives, these are people who have known basically my entire life that the stuff that they were doing that was enriching them uh, was not necessarily ending our civilization, but certainly screwing over a bunch of people in a very big way. Uh, I, I was just talking with my mom about this tonight. And in my lifetime, and certainly in hers, the difference between what the winter used to be, what the monsoon season, the summer used to be in Phoenix, and what it is now, is so stark. Um, now granted, it does happen kind of piece by piece, 
big things tend to happen slowly and then all at once. It's been slowly. A lot of things are accelerating there, but on a year-to-year basis, kind of forgiven for, especially given that there are fluctuations anyway, you could be forgiven for thinking, oh, it's not that much different. But when I look back, say 20 years ago, when I look back to the summers when I was in high school, um, the difference is remarkable. And what's really staggering about it is that right now we're about one degree Celsius, I think, above the pre-industrial global temperature average. Um, we're not doing anything to slow down. And we're definitely on the way to at least probably a couple more degrees Celsius. This one degree Celsius, and again, you have to be careful because one degree doesn't sound like that big of a deal. It's one degree on average. Uh, which means that, you know, the extremes can be much greater, and they are, um, but the average there isn't that great. It's just sort of an average over a bunch of, you know, places. The average near the equator doesn't necessarily even have to increase that much. The average near the poles can go up starkly. It's, it's ridiculous when you look at how much the ice caps are being impacted already. Glaciers that were there for generations just kind of withering away. Things like this, you know, and, and this is all essentially our doing. Now we can pretend, oh, we don't know, you know, it's like, oh, there's some doubt. This is fake doubt. This is a situation where we pretty much know what we've done, pretty much know what we've caused, and we're continuing to do it. Um, and the thing that's annoying is. I mean, I think back to um, that, probably the best PowerPoint that I've ever seen, uh, the Al Gore movie. Um, and, and now it, it's been, I don't know, has it been two decades already? However long it's been since that thing. Uh, it's been a long time. That thing was a point where we could have made smaller changes. And the thing is, the longer we wait, the bigger the changes have to be to fix things. And really, we're at the point now where fixing them is almost not even in the cards. You, you pretty much, you know, I mean, we could do stuff so that in hundreds of years, things return to something like normal, maybe. But for the next, like, 50 to 100 years, no, even if we stopped production, we're already on a trajectory. You know, this is not, it, it's, it's like steering an oil tanker. It doesn't turn on a dime. The climate is a big thing. And in order to make quick changes, you have to make massive changes in terms of either the inputs or the outputs or you know, manipulate certain parameters. It's totally doable. And I, I worry, honestly, that at some point in the future, things will get fucked up to the point where we'll start tinkering with them. Um, you know, and you might say, well, how can you what could you do that would have such an impact? Well, first off, people probably would have said this um, about our civilization not that long ago. People say it today. And obviously, we've massively increased the CO2 in the air. We've massively increased other greenhouse gases. Um, and we're, we've done a lot of stuff. We've made big changes. This is without just enormous automation. At one point in the future, um, 
almost inevitably, if technology continues to progress, we will be in a position where automation is such that you could do really planetary scale and even solar system scale engineering projects. And in a very rapid period, when you have the ability to essentially make millions upon millions of workers and they're able to make you know exponentially more, um, once you start having that kind of ability to scale, things that seem impossible, things that seem you know just why would you even think about doing it, become very not only possible but easy. And easy when you're talking about tinkering with the climate is probably scary. Um, you know, if you can do stuff, especially given that there's lag, you know, you can make some changes and those changes will have an impact going into the future. You could imagine like either seeding the stratosphere with um, sulfur particles or doing something like, you know, decreasing insulation by putting a bunch of space mirrors up. Lots of things like this will have an impact that will last and they'll have an immediate impact perhaps, but they'll also have a cumulative effect over time. And if you overdo it a little bit, you could push us into an ice age. You could create a snowball earth. You could do all sorts of things. Um, and, and those things, I mean, you know, I think we're at a precarious point in history. I, I guess everybody kind of thinks this, it's kind of part of the human condition to think you're at the end of a civilization. Um, and, and I don't know that we are, but I do think we're at an, an inflection point, much more so than most other points in our history. We're at an inflection point, and this point has a few paths open to us. And some of these paths are actually pretty nice, and some of the paths are really fucking awful. Um, I'm not super confident that we're going to take the really nice ones. And, and the reason that I really am bringing this up has nothing to do with any of this stuff. It, it's all stuff that bothers me and that concerns me. But the thing that really gets to me, the reason that I'm talking about this now, is that today, California has officially opened up, so to speak. They are now allowing people who are fully vaccinated, which includes my mom and sister. Yeah, very happy about that. Uh, they've been vaccinated actually since like December. Um, my mom due to her age and my sister due to her profession. So they can go out unmasked. And potentially this is kind of cool. It's, you know, I mean, best case scenario, and there's no guarantee that this will remain, but best case scenario, if you're vaccinated, you're at least protected, relatively speaking. Doesn't mean that it's guaranteed that you're not going to get sick. Doesn't mean that we're not going to involve a strain that could still infect you or you know, cause harm. Um, although ten, the tendency, of course, with host parasite evolution is not towards pathogenesis. It's you know, toward things being you know, less of a big deal. So there's some hope that you know, maybe as COVID evolves, uh, it'll just become less and less of a big deal. But it's also possible that it could, you know, I mean, that's like on a long time scale. In the short term, it's possible to have a couple of mutations and then 
oh, we're able to really quickly spread through the population, and now you have a bunch of maskless people that we can spread through. And we can also bypass all of the protective immunity that people have either through vaccination or natural infection. So now we get to, you know, that's a possibility. Um, hopefully it doesn't happen. I have no idea um, whether it will or not, but I do know that we're essentially committed to that path at this point. It's just, um, if it doesn't happen, it is sheer, it is simply the fact that that evolutionary leap that it would have taken is just not attainable because any mutations that get anywhere near where it needs to be are fatal. Yeah, it's, it's like the one thing protecting us that what you need is probably, you know, a, pr a pretty significant change in structure of uh, the spike proteins on the surface of the virus. And, uh, you know, those things tend to be conserved because, you know, there are many solutions, but if you deviate very much from one, then it's much harder to actually work to infect cells. So even if there's a solution over here that works better, you know, you get trapped in a local minimum and you can't get out. Not a guarantee. It's really a gamble. And I think the thing that bothers me is, is, is not, you know, my mom and sister, if they don't want to go wear masks in public, it's fine, I guess. But the problem is there are so many people who do not want to get vaccinated and do not want to wear masks. And these people bug the shit out of me. The thing that kills me here is, I mean, first off, you know, the vaccine, not that big of a deal. It's a medical miracle, frankly, that we have this technology. When I was first taking virology as an undergrad, not to date myself, but um, this was something that people were like speculating on, like maybe one day we could do this. And today we have the technology that we can print mRNA with an arbitrary sequence. Um, you can you know, make very safe vaccines with it and very effective vaccines with it. And I mean, it's, it's, it's annoying, frankly, I, I run into people granted on Twitter, but still they're people who think that this vaccine is untested or, you know, like super risky. Um, really there's nothing in it that's particularly new. The only thing that is a little bit different is the particular sequence in the RNA and thus the protein that is going to be transferred from that. You know, there's no reason to think that that's dangerous. In fact, compared to a live attenuated vaccine, much, much safer because there's no virus. It's just part of the viral, part of the protein that, you know, is on the surface that lets the virus infect cells and not an intact virion, not an intact viral genome. It's just a fragment. Um, it's, it's kind of the dream, frankly, of if you're going to build a vaccine, taking the part that you need, throwing out the rest, and then being able to make a ton of it. You mix in some adjuvants to get your immune system kind of riled up against it. And you elicit a response, do it again, you build up uh, the, the memory and you get a secondary response. And now you're pretty much protected. It's, um, it's annoying how, and I'm not saying, you know, like granted, nothing is risk-free, but 
you know, being someone with a little bit of expertise in this, in this area, it drives me fucking insane to see all of these people who, I've read articles, you know, uh, yeah, I, I want to just fucking like, rip my hair out when I hear people say this shit. Um, you know, you have people, and, and I understand, like, they think they're informed. But it's so easy on the internet to find so much bad information. And you can find bad information from people with credentials, too. This is kind of a terrible thing about the internet. Now, granted, they may be the minority, and it may be that, like, 95% of MDs are vaccinated already because they knew this shit is good, this is a safe thing, this is a thing to do. Uh, but, you know, you can find that 5% who are just crackpots. And, you know, a couple people in there make videos. I mean, there's almost zero barrier to entry to putting a video on, on YouTube. And if you're going to sit there and say things that elicit a response that um, is going to get you some views, get some audience retention, yeah, you can definitely do that. And if you have credentials and you're telling people what they want to hear, all the better. Um, I, I have in my uh, in my Twitter pinned tweet, I have a list of essentially questions that I've answered. They're, it's like a fact, I guess. Things that come up multiple times, I've responded to. One of my responses in there is something to the effect of, I'm not going to watch your fucking long ass video um, by some crazy person on the internet about anything. It's definitely not going to convince me of anything. If you have something that you want me to read, I'll do that. You want me to, I mean, and I'm not saying that I'm going to read like thousands of pages of articles, but I can at least skim, you know, you can go through a huge corpus of text in a pretty short period of time. Whereas video, even if there's good content in there, and most of the videos that people share with you is shit. Uh, even when it's by somebody with credentials, and even when it's by somebody who, you know, should know better, there's a ton of bad shit out there. It's just embarrassing. Um, yeah, it's just, it's staggering, frankly, how much crap there is. You know, the internet. Um, not to refer to, to Bo again, but a little bit of everything all of the time. You know, there's, can I interest you in, like, literally anything that you can think of, you can find on the internet. You put billions of people on there, and you have billions of people creating shit, and you get a bunch of stuff, and you get a bunch of stuff that's in every direction. It's, uh, you know, and, and of course, the algorithm on YouTube, uh, which probably didn't send you here, will take you from something that's very barely at the fringe to something a little bit more extreme, a little bit more extreme, and then the next thing you know, 10 steps later, you're in like complete conspiracy la-la land. And you've gotten there on a path that, I'm not saying it's compelling or convincing, but it definitely, you know, it's rewarding you for watching. It's taking tiny steps, and then it gets you to a place that's just fucking nuts. And you know, I'm trying to be diplomatic with this, but it's hard because some of the stuff that I hear people say and that I have people, you know, discuss and argue, it's just so wrong, you know. I'm not saying that I'm right about everything by any means, but there are certain things that I am an expert on. There are certain things that I know a fair fair bit about. 
and then you have people tell you stuff and you just, you know, like if I was talking about football, there are things that anyone who knows very much about football would immediately know I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about um, because I don't. I have no, I, I you know, football, it's, it's a mystery to me, you know? I know some names. I've seen the game played. I have played the game myself, which in, incidentally, to play the game, not nearly as bad as to watch it. To watch it, it's just excruciating. Like, I understand a lot of people like it. I, I, I do not get the appeal. Not even a little bit. I, it's, it's just baffling to me. I don't want to know. I don't want to get it. I don't, you know, I don't need to be shown why it's awesome. Uh, to me, it's just slow and boring and, you know, punctuated by brief milliseconds of action and then a bunch of people just like putzing around uh, doing nothing. Uh, and I understand, okay, there's strategy to it, Scott, and you have to under... I don't give a fuck. I don't care. It just... I, I could not be less interested in this shit. Um, it's, it's similar, actually. Like, a lot of people really want to go out and get together. I don't get this. I, I do, you know, like, I have... I want to hang out with Gil. You know, once a week or so, go out, have lunch, you know, walk around, talk, shoot the shit, and then that's good. I'm pretty cool with that. But then going to, like, a party with a bunch of people, going to big events, this kind of stuff... I never need that. Even even in the best case scenario, like in, in my life, I've been to a number of parties. I've been to a number of events. And even the ones that I like, even the ones that, um, you know, like they're cool experiences that I've had or somebody that I really liked was there. Uh, even then, I was very happy to be done with it just to get out of that situation. I just, I find it kind of excruciating, to be honest. And it's it's bizarre to me there are so many people who are so interested in getting back to that right now, especially given that pandemic is not over, you know. It could be over, but we're not making it over. Um, we're going to let it kind of smolder and burn and, you know, like have some little pockets of inferno in places like India because, you know, apparently we don't give a fuck. Um, this is like, honestly, like the, the fact that we have these vaccines and they're so easy to make, like ridiculously easy given the technology to duplicate these things and we don't. It, it is criminal. It is statistical murder. Going out maskless and not getting vaccinated, you are committing statistical murder. And encouraging people to do that, you're certainly doing it in large numbers. The, the classical example is of course, uh, like what, the Ford Pinto with the exploding gas tank. Um, you have this thing where the bean counters would do the math and they'd go, well, okay, this is the probability of this happening. This is the number of the cars out here. You multiply these out over this much time. This is how much it's going to cost to, um, you know, make a, a settlement and, you know, blah, 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 versus this is what it would cost to do a recall and actually fix the problem. And you weigh it and you're like, well, you know, It'd cost more to actually fix it than it'll cost to do the settlements after people are dead or burnt or whatever. So they decided to do the settlements. Um, pretty fucked up. 
This is statistical murder. This is kind of the, I would, like the archetypical example of it, but you can go through um, so many things. I mean, the American healthcare system, just in general, if you can call it a healthcare system, is just case after case of this kind of shit. Pharmaceutical companies charging people ridiculous amounts for recombinant insulin, which again, made in a process that is so simple. Like getting, developing the technology for it was a huge investment of public money, by the way. But now that it's done, it's literally just growing shit in a vat and purifying it out. And we've built technology to make purifying it out super simple too. And there are even better ways to do it. But, you know, I mean, it's cheap as beer, literally. And you don't need like a full pint of it. You need tiny little bits of it. And yet it's ridiculously expensive. Not because it costs a lot to develop, because the people who are making money on it are not the people who developed it. Not because it costs a lot to make, because it costs fuck all to make. Not because of any liability or anything like this. Not even because you have to make a profit, because you could still be making a profit charging a very small amount, but because you have to make all the possible money. You can't leave any money on the table. This is the sickness of greed and just, um, I don't know, it's just disgusting. It's something that, uh, you know, I mean, generally gross without understanding how gross they are. Um, you know, like the, the classical picture of Obama with his hand over the sneeze guard at Chipotle. Um, yeah, you don't see it because our vision is shitty, but when your hand's over this, especially if you're moving it, shit is raining down. That shit raining down is like dead skin cells. And each one of these skin cells is massive compared to bacteria, viruses, whatever the fuck, you know, spores, fungus, everything that's just on your skin, you're just showering into the food for everybody else. You don't see it, but as I'm sitting here, and even not talking, just breathing, little particulates, little droplets, are this aerosol that's me, is just kind of like emitting in the room and filling the room. Um, yeah, I mean, one, one thing that I always think of is like, on campus, there'd be somebody smoking when, thank, yeah, not religious, but still, thank God, smoking is banned on campus. But when it wasn't, before it wasn't, somebody would be smoking and they'd be way the fuck down Palm Walk, way ahead of you. You're way back here. And there could even be a little bit of wind, like a crosswind, not just wind blowing in your direction, like wind blowing to the side the best possible case for getting the smoke out of the way, and you'd still smell the smoke. You're smelling that smoke means that gas and particulates from that person smoking, from that person breathing, is hovering in the air, you're breathing it. What the fuck do you think is happening when you're out? Um, you know, I mean, again, this room is filled with my mist. Um, if you're walking, even if you're not close to people, it's all there. And if you're out there, you're breathing it in. People are gross. And this is, I mean, you know, it's just, I don't even, it's just, it's, it's baffling that we do this and don't realize how gross we are. And it's so easy actually also to do something about that. Um, but then you see people like go out of their way to be more gross. And it's just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm fading, I have to say. I'm crash in a minute. So I, I don't want to keep rambling on about this. I will definitely talk about statistical murder again in the future. Um, fucking hate it. I hate that, you know, people are so willing to... The thing that really, like, has ruined me through this pandemic, more than anything, is that it's such a small, simple thing. Wearing a mask, just basic aseptic technique, things that really don't cost you that much. Getting vaccinated, such a low bar, and it's so safe, like really, despite all of the crazy, you know, cranks and conspiracy wackos out there. Very safe. People won't do it. People won't be just, and, and I say minorly inconvenienced, I mean, that's really an exaggeration. Wearing a mask is so not a big deal. Um, yeah, it's just not. Yeah, I, I understand, okay, it's slightly uncomfortable. Get a better mask maybe. But yeah, I'm not a huge fan. I don't, when I'm going walking by myself at night, I'm not wearing one anymore. Um, you know, and, and I do, I do think that the risk there is non-zero, but there is a certain, like, how small of a risk do you want to get? Um, I don't think my mist being around is, like, that ridiculously big of a... Especially given that I am vaccinated and I'm probably not spraying stuff everywhere. Uh, although I am spraying other things. You know, don't forget about that. But not, not COVID. Um, but what I'm spraying is probably okay. So, you know, people are going to get it and uh, their immune systems will take care of it or it won't be able to take hold or, you know, whatever. I mean, this is this is one thing. If we didn't have an immune system that worked, um, you would die just, I mean, so fast. Like, it's, it's ridiculous how disgusting other people are and how gross our environment is. Um, I wish everyone would do a microbial ubiquity course or, or even the, just a lesson. Get some nutrient auger plates, you know, go around. You have to go near the trash, although that's a fun one. But, you know, take the lid off. Just go in the room with you. Clap the lid back on, toss it in the incubator. Come back a few days later. Look at all those colonies. Shit just floating around in the air that you don't see. Tons of stuff there. Most of it just bounces off of you because you have an intact, you know, your skin is amazing. Um, and you have an immune system that even if stuff gets in, you're probably okay. If it's something that's really pathogenic though, you know, or really able to take advantage of something, the situation is different. Um, but I wish people would just take that course because there's so much stuff that people are not aware of. You know, you don't see the like spittle, and I, I'm not a person, I, I'm a person that's very self-aware, very rare that I actually see like a visible launch. I do see this from other people all the time, but for myself, not so much. But even so, my, visual, my visual acuity, not that great, neither is yours. There's this mist that is coming out as I'm talking. You don't see it, but it's there. Now, I'm not trying to say that everybody should be like, hyper paranoid about this stuff, but I am saying you should be aware of it and you should act accordingly. And you should certainly, you know, like if you're in food prep, maybe wash your fucking hands. If you're in medicine, wash your hands. If you're in food prep also, maybe the mask 
shouldn't come off. And if you're out in the world and you're too much of a shithead to get vaccinated, exception of course made for the people who for some reason legitimately can't do it, or you know, even if they get vaccinated, their immune system's not competent to develop a response. Exceptions for them. Uh, and, and most of those people would probably wear a fucking mask, uh, incidentally. But if you're not gonna wear, you're, you're completely normal, you could get vaccinated, you'd be protected, and you're not gonna do that, you're not gonna wear a mask, you're just gonna go fuck everybody else. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I, I, I am, like I said, by seeing what people are not willing to do to save other people. And this is, this pandemic is like a little brief flicker. You know, I understand like a year, two years, seems like a long time to us, but you know, five, 10 years from now, you'll look back at it and it won't even, you know, as much, it's a weird thing, as big of a deal as it is now, 10 years from now, you'll look back and you'll be like, oh, that, I, I remember that. That was like a, a weekend or something, you know, maybe a month. I don't remember. It wasn't that long. Um, but what has ruined me is just in that time, 